The Marching Roundtable is proud to be an official media partner of Drum Corps International. This podcast is sponsored by Envision 3D Drill Design Software, found at box5software.com. I've kind of got this mantra that I like to go uh, talk to the kids about, and it's called the Big Three. And the Big Three are be musical, work hard, and be kind. Because I think that sort of encapsulates the spirit that I want in my classroom as well as in the ensemble. I mean, if you're not being musical, then what are you doing? It's it's marching band. And if you're not working hard, then it's probably not very good. And if you're not being kind, then is it really worth it? Making the transition from one band director to another can be difficult. But there are great success stories out there. On this podcast, we talk with two band directors and a guard instructor who accomplished this with great success at Old Mill High School in Millersville, Maryland. They talk about rebuilding a program, empowering the students, and how teaching the students to have ownership of their band program helped to make the director transition go more smoothly. I think if there is a single most important factor to this transition, it was that I prepared the students for the transition in a way that was, I feel, educational. The leadership teams that we have been able to put together out of these band students every year have been absolutely outstanding. I am more than willing to admit when I don't know something or to figure out the best way for the students to work. So I think it was the willingness of all parties involved to be open and understanding that change happens, but we need to be thinking about the change as it happens. Some of the reasons that these kids took the program and kept on going with their motivation because they had some sort of ownership onto it. And having that ownership and transferring that into the new season with a new director, I mean, it's, it's got to be difficult for them, but I think they did a really great job in trying to take ownership and really want to make the program as successful as they could possibly make it. Great advice about making a successful transition to a new director on the Marching Roundtable. This podcast is brought to you by Envision 3D Drill Design Software, found at box5software.com. Envision 3D Drill Design Software is the only true 3D drill design software available for marching bands, winter guards, indoor percussion groups, and drum corps. If you write drill or design for marching music groups, Envision enables you to plan and execute shows that push the creative boundaries of your show designs. Download your free version at www.box5software.com and see for yourself. Hey everybody, welcome to the Marching Roundtable presented by Marching Arts Education. This is Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. So excited to be here and hosting this conversation. So everybody has heard horror stories of how one director leaves, another new band director comes in to take over the program, and the transition goes really badly. We all know those stories. But great friend of the podcast, Ben Regalado, said, uh, let me know about this school, um, Old Mill High School in Maryland, that had this great director transition. And we should talk to the people about how they pulled this off. And I think this is worthwhile. So on the line with me tonight, Brendan Meisner. How are you, Brendan? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here. Also on the line, Alicia Simmons. Alicia, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. And also Eric Bonsas. Eric, how are you? 
Very well, thank you. So thank you guys for being here. So Brendan, you were the director that was there that that left, and so That's tell correct. us tell us like um, a little bit about yourself and where you are now. I started teaching at the school in 2012 um, and uh, taught there for six years. I am currently um, a PhD student in cognition and neuroscience at the University of Texas at Dallas. Um, I'm researching music cognition. Wow, that's really interesting. So you and I should have a whole other conversation about that sometime. I would love to. <laughs> that sounds really, really interesting. And so, Alicia, then you have you are like an alumni of the school and you've been around. So tell us about yourself. So I have... Uh... I graduated from Old Nell High School in uh, 1998. Cool. Um, certainly after that, I, I continued teaching there for the past three years and went away to college and 18-year hiatus came back. Um, and Brennan found me uh, and had uh, uh, been there for about five years now. So uh, awesome. I am currently an interior designer um, for the federal government. So Wait, did uh, you say interior designer for the federal government? Yes. That's fascinating. What is that? Um, so I actually work with the Social Security Administration. Um, so I do more office uh, type spaces. I'm a project manager there for them. That's really interesting. Wow. And of course, you bring that design eye to the color guard world and the band world, which is cool. And so you've been there sort of as a constant through this whole process. So that's why you're going to be such a great part of this conversation. So thanks again for being here. Yep, absolutely. And then Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself. So this is uh, this will be my fifth year of teaching. Um, I spent last year teaching middle school in Anne Arundel County, um, Band of Strings in Annapolis. Uh, and prior to that, I taught in Western Ohio because I went to college um, in Dayton. I went to the University of Dayton. Uh, but prior to that, uh, my parents are from this area, Anne Arundel County, uh, and I grew up in southern Pennsylvania, went to high school there. Very cool. So you're one of the people that went into the UD arena, not just to see WGI stuff, but actually probably That's to right. see basketball. That's right. Um, pep band. And then I graduated in that space. So it's oh, pretty cool. All right. Cause everybody, probably everybody listening knows that space. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so we're going to talk, oh, by the way, I have to mention, by the way, that both Brendan and Eric have these amazing beards. And so <laughs> I want everybody to make sure you go to your, go to our Facebook page and I'm going to put a picture up so that you can see them. So guys, the spin, the chin spinach, as I like to call it, like where did, did you, Eric, did you have that before you took over or was it like a requirement of the job? Cause Brendan had one. Well, that was actually the first question in the interview. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, I I've had a beard since I started teaching. Uh, and even during student teaching, just because I have such a baby face mm. and, uh, wanted to create a little bit of distance and uh thankfully my fiance really likes that i have a beard it's uh one of my more attractive features apparently so uh, <laughs> i get to keep it around that's amazing i grew the world's ugliest most embarrassing mustache when i tried to do that <laughs> right out of college because i was not you know i since i've grown into my facial hair ability but boy back then i'm nobody's ever going to see a picture of that so nobody even ask so, so brennan <laughs> you have this like epic giant very cool beard like how did that happen uh that i started growing my beard out when i finished drum corps um it was age out rage out and then um i'm never shaving again basically <laughs> um and so uh, i let it grow out for quite a while uh 
And eventually the director of bands at the university I was teaching at told me that I uh, could not, he would not introduce me to my student teaching supervisor with, quote, that mess on my face, unquote. <laughs> Um, so I, I've had I've had a number of beards and clean shaven, and um, it's funny also when I see people um, that have seen me clean shaven, um, like I shave my head, shave my face, everything, um, versus when I have a beard, they, people don't recognize me. It's actually it's pretty funny. But yeah, I've been growing a beard since 2009. Okay, I'm, on. I'm sure they wouldn't recognize you. And it's, what's weird is that your picture on Skype does not have a beard. It's really throwing me. Yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I had to mention the beards. That's a little bit of a tangent, but um, so you guys created this really amazingly seamless transition from one director to another. We all need to know how you did this, Brendan. You said you wanted to start with a little bit of you and Alicia talking about a little bit about the background of the band and how that led up to that point. You want to you want to start there? Sure, um, Alicia. Do you want to talk maybe about um, about what it was like when you were there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so. In my years down there, uh, it was, oh gosh, uh, we had a legacy before our time in that band room. Every time I go in there, it was always these banners coming around and all these accomplishments that they had and just the traditions that they had already instilled in us at that time when I was in high school. Um, I just took that along with me and I, I like to get that excellence back. And uh, the fact that I, Brennan had found me, I think you found me through another friend that Chris. Marched with, yeah, so Chris Cromwell, um, yep. we marched, surfed together at some point. And uh, so he found me there and he asked me if I would come back. And absolutely, it was a no brainer for me um, yeah. because I lived right down the street. <laughs> I was already teaching down at Broadneck. And uh, you know what? I'll, I'll take on another school. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah Broadneck is a, is one of the other schools in the County um, that uh, is a much, much bigger school. Um, mm -hmm. But I had, so I had, I started in 2012, like I said, in the introduction. Um, and when I started all of the legacy that Alicia talked about um, was, was wiped away um, in, and it was one of those things where I had gotten the interview for the job and I had tried to do a little bit of research on the band um, and the program and the school and what I was getting myself into um, because I had also heard horror stories about transitions. Yeah. Um, and so I looked up on YouTube and I, I found the first autocomplete and and I, I don't mean this to slight the school because it's a fantastic school and there are really amazing teachers. It's an amazing community. But the first autocomplete on YouTube when I typed in Old Mill High School was Old Mill High School Fights. Um, so I, <laughs> that's what I, I – that's the first thing I saw. The next thing I saw was actually the Old Mill High School Steel Band, um, which is run by a really fantastic educator and, um, uh, and, and musician, Mike Miller. Um, but then the band program had really fallen um, into disrepair. Uh, there were about 20 students in the band um, when I started. Um, and by the time I left, we were looking at sort of 60, 70 on the field, and then 80 in the concert band. Wow, good um, for you. Yeah, so it wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy process of building that up. Um, I mean, the first couple of years were just really really tough mm -hmm. in terms of sort of motivating students um 
the some of the students told me stories about what the former teacher former director had told them about their performance at competitions and it it just floored me um it's not something that i would ever condone someone saying to a student it really just it was abhorrent um so you had to sort of rebuild the culture of success that was excellent exactly yeah it's exactly right so and the one of the things that i that i did actually was um the the orchestra director came in the same year as i did um and we walked in and there's these two there were these two giant trophy cases at the front of the room with a giant footprint taking up so much space and the most recent trophy in there was from five or ten years prior and we both just looked at it and we're like these students have no idea what these trophies represent they have no concept of that victory um that success that excellence um and so we took them all down we tried to contact as many of the uh, alumni as we could and um we gave away a bunch of trophies um but then we threw the rest of them away because we knew that we had to start from a place where from where we were we had to start where the kids um uh, from something that the kids understood um and some of them were upset. They were like, oh, those are our trophies. And I, I asked them. I think I was a little upset. Hey. Yeah. I, and actually, so I'll get to that in a second. But I, I mean, I asked some of the students point blank. I was like, are, did you win any of those trophies? They're like, no. I was like, well, then why are you upset about this? Like, let's win our own trophies. If you want a trophy, let's go get one. Um, and that actually that helped a lot. Um, in the first couple of years when I had the alumni come back, um, we did a – it was – with the 30th anniversary of the school, was that right, Alicia, 40th anniversary or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it was the 30th. Yeah, so we, we invited all the alumni to come back um, to do an alumni band um, and come out and play uh, part of the halftime show with us. And they all walked in the band room and they were just like, what happened? Where is all our stuff? Um, and I explained to all of them the process, the thought process that we had gone through when we were making the decision. And they all kind of agreed with me. Um, they weren't all necessarily super happy about it, but they, they recognized that to, to rebuild the excellence that they knew we needed to start somewhere different. Um, and like you said, rebuilding the culture was an extremely difficult part of the, the program. Um, the biggest thing was, uh, for me was empowering the students. And I think this also is something that contributed to the success of the handoff was that um, the students were really, really invested in their own success. Um, and I think the, the, the one single moment when I think a switch flipped um, for me as, 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 as well as for my students um, was at a competition. It was, it was actually at Broadneck High School. Um, uh, I had gotten the results, the scores, and they, you know, they'd been getting better and I was really proud of the success and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, nothing had really come out in scores. And, you know, the kids really put a lot of stock in scores. Like you can tell them, Hey, we're making progress. It's really good. Um, but unless they see some sort of score thing, they're not going to recognize that that is necessarily success. Um, so I got the scores back and we were second out of three in our group. And, uh, I went to, you know, critique as usual, nothing crazy. I went back to the bus and it looked like there was a riot happening. Um, like the kids were jumping up and down. They were yelling and running out of the parking lot. I was like, what are you guys doing? Get back on the bus. Um, and, but I get on the bus and they were like, we're not last place. And that, that moment I was like, 
what do you mean? Of course we're not. Like, it's great. We're not last place. Of course. Um, and one of my students, uh, Grace Heacock, sitting in the front row of the bus, and she says, no, Mr. Meisner, this is the first time that we haven't been last place in 10 years. It's been before my brother was a student here that since we've placed anything other than last place. Um, and having the students see um, second out of three as that big of a success, it was it was really incredible. It was one of the biggest victories, I think, of, of my career um, is watching that light in their eyes come back on in that moment. Um, well, thank you for telling that story because I, I feel like people need to remember that it's all about context. You of know? course. And some, some people are upset that they're not in finals at Grand Nationals. And then there's, right. there's another student who's not in last place for the first time in 10 years. So it's like it's all relative. And we all right. need to keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, so from there, uh, just continuing to build that up and continue to build on that success. And then having Eric, um, come in this year and, and win the state championship. I mean, that was, that was fantastic. Um, I was so proud of him and the, the Alicia and the program, the students, just awesome. I mean, I, I, I'm going to confess, I'm like a little bit jealous that I didn't get to win the state championship. Like, I, I, I mean, I can't lie and say that, you know, but, uh, I am, I am, my first reaction when I heard that was just absolute, like, gratefulness and, and, and humility, um, and just pride in the students and the, and the program and the work that, that Eric and Alicia have done this year. Well, and every director that works so hard to build a program like you did, you know, you want it to keep going. Right. Of course. Onward, yeah. upward. Right. Of course. Um, I think the there was a really cool moment last year. So um, one of the things that I think that I did well um, is I have a pretty good idea for design and sort of concept shows um, and putting those ideas together. Um, last year, uh, we had some really cool effects on the field. Um, and I had never really pushed into the, so the, the circuit we compete in is the, um, US bands. Um, and I, they have two classifications, um, open and A. And we had never really pushed into the open classification. That's the more competitive, the more design oriented stuff. Um, and also, but generally also the bands that are in there are, are, are performing at a higher level. Um, the A sheets are all about sort of achievement and the open sheets are more about design. Um, and, uh, we were the highest scoring A band of the regional championship. We didn't make finals, um, but we were the cutoff. We also, we beat every other A band regardless of size. And I think that was a really cool moment for me. Um, and, that I think is one of those things that really helped set up this year for Eric, um, is having those students see on a grand scale, that kind of success and that kind of design, um, sort of, uh, take light. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Take light. That kind of, um, what's the, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word right now. We can edit this part out, right? Great. Just be aware. <laughs> I think that was the first time that they were aware that they were a ripple in this water, um, that the, uh, the impact that they made was felt. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, trying to, again, going back to perspective and going back to, to sort of the situation, um, 
framing the the results in terms of the fact that like yes we didn't make finals but hey we beat every we were at 3a we beat every 4a 5a and 6a 6a band score wise that we competed against today and um that was that was really exciting for for uh for us so your kids started to have some success and started to realize like what they could do yes so eric did you know about all of that history and success when you interviewed and then just you know we're looking into the job or did you find that out later um a little bit of both so um brendan and i met last fall um we had met actually over the summer during the new music teacher orientation and um we were discussing uh just rehearsal philosophy and things like that um and so that led to him inviting me to come to a rehearsal last fall um so which was really interesting to watch him him work with the kids um and immediately i noticed just the great um ethic and attitude that they brought um to what can be i mean after school rehearsals can be a little grueling um especially after you know i mean we start at 725 and you know some nights we rehearse till 7 p.m um so that's a long day for any kid and just the um the power and perseverance that they had in the short time that i was with them was really remarkable um but after that just following um the success of the band um uh, because i had i'd worked with uh, broadneck last fall as well um and we were at almost all of the same shows um and just just watching um the results come in and and seeing the work that Brendan was doing that really made a good impression with me um i'm i'm someone who really values um hard work and and commitment and clearly that was happening Thanks, um, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Um, so, okay. When... So, so Brendan, when you decided that you were probably going to head off and do studies and wanted to hand the band off, did you have, like, did you have a, an idea of how you wanted to do that? Or how did you guys figure out how to do this in a way that was so successful? So I, I knew that I've, I've, kn I'd known since I started teaching that I was looking eventually to go back and get a PhD in music cognition. Um, and that's not something that I was ever really quiet about, but I also didn't really sort of make any grand overtures about it when I was in that position. But the, I knew I'd already applied to a couple places in the fall, um, recognizing that last year was going to be my last year. Um, so when I, when Eric and I met and we were having that conversation about rehearsal philosophy, um, I may or may not have been already doing, uh, some, some sort of assessment on my own of what, uh, the new, um, crop of band directors in the county was going to be like. Um, and, Obviously, I was really excited about what I saw because I really appreciated his philosophy, um, and I share his his um, appreciation for work ethic, um, and I think some of, we share some musical sensibilities as well, um, which made the trans transition pretty easy as well. Um, so I inviting him out to come out in the fall also had overtures at me um, getting him in front of the students. Um, and that 
I think may have contributed somewhat to to the success because he was in front of the students multiple times throughout the year um, before I made an announcement. Um, and well, that wait was a minute. Now, Eric, did you know that he was? No. You guys, you didn't have any <laughs> idea that he was bringing you in on the, I mean, because obviously you're just bringing good people to work with your band all the time. Anyway. Right. 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 Okay. right. And, and, and to say that, and I don't want to, I also don't want to say that like it was, I was the person who made sure that Eric got the job because I, I, I wasn't, I, I recommended that he apply. Um, and I, when people asked me about, you know, the pool of candidates, I, you know, I was pretty frank about who I saw in the running and, and what I saw as their strengths. Um, and, and there were a couple other really strong candidates and it's not, um, that's not by accident. They were the, the school and the program have grown to a really, uh, really outstanding, um, program. And so we had some really great candidates and I'm, I'm just excited that, that it worked. The transition worked so well. I mean, keep coming back to that. Okay. So Alicia, where are you in all this? Did you know, did he, did Brendan tell you that he was thinking of leaving? Were you in the mix at all? Um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> I pretty much found out the same time the kids did. Um, which was you, uh, actually it was after. Um, it, it I didn't. Was after. I didn't post it on Facebook, so I didn't. <laughs> I had already found out and made sure of my acceptance into the program, um, and then and I I knew that the first people that I wanted to tell was the students um, because they're the ones that were the most invested in what I. Uh, had put together in the program itself. So wait, did um, you make the announcement that you were leaving and it wasn't like, and this is my replacement, but then they knew that no. there was a process that was going to be taking place then. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, the, there were other people in the school. So, um, like the, my department chair knew, um, like the our my whole department knew, uh, the principal and my, my APs knew. So they like that, but it was a really tight circle of people who knew that, um, because I didn't want, um, to jeopardize the success of, of my last year, obviously. Um, but no, then sure. also, but I mean, uh, did you decide to tell the students because you wanted them to have time then to prepare? Yes. Um, that I think, I think if there is a single most important factor to this transition, it was that I prepared the students for the transition in a way that was, I feel educational. Um, it also, I mean, it helps that, that, I mean, and Eric and Alicia can attest to this, that the, um, the leadership teams that we've been able to put together out of these band students every year have been absolutely outstanding. Um, and I made my announcement and I had a leadership meeting immediately afterwards. And all of, of course, all of them were in tears. Um, and I, I let them know that the success of this year of 2018 um, was going to be up to what they were able to accomplish. Um, and I think that they took that responsibility on very, very well. I was, I'm so proud of them and Eric and Alicia, of course. So what I about, I totally agree with that statement though. Yeah, go ahead, um, totally. Because, um, so Brendan had traditionally started camp with a, uh, a four day leadership camp and like I had met a lot of the kids, um, not really on a person to person level, but you know, just big group introductions and things like that. Um, 
And just getting to know them that week told me everything that I needed to know about what was going to happen that fall um, because they they were not um, of the mindset that, oh, this is going to be awful because you're new and you're not going to get us and we're not going to get you. They were immediately uh, willing and open to listen to what I had to say, but also um, because of the transition, I'm I am more than willing to admit when I don't know something or to figure out the best way for the students to work. Um, so I think it was the willingness of all parties involved to be open and understanding that change happens, but we need to th be thinking about the change as it happens. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I, I want to just add to that because I think that some of the, um, some of the reasons that these kids took the program and and kept on going with uh, their motivation because they had some sort of ownership onto it and having that ownership and transferring that into the new season with a new director. I mean, it's, it's gotta be difficult, but it, for them, but I think they did a really great job in trying to take ownership and really want to um, make the program um, as successful as they, they could possibly make it. And why not help with that? Then, motivation for the new kids coming in and um i just think that that was well i think i think we've gotten down to something it. really important here because <laughs> i i have this conversation a lot with people about the <laughs> instructors and directors who don't give the students ownership of their show and then their program and so you've all oh, you've all mentioned that so i think that this is really key because I think, Brendan, what's interesting is, you know, sometimes it's the director's program and the director leaves and everything falls apart. But what I'm hearing you say is, okay, you were there, you were doing your thing, but it was the kids' program. How did you accomplish that? Like, how, how do you guys do that? Um, one of, uh, one of the things that I would credit that to is my wife is a project manager. Um, and so she would talk to me not about band stuff, but she would talk to me about stuff that she was doing at work. And it made me realize that, um, that the, uh, some of the philosophies that you find in project management strategies, specifically agile management, um, which is sort of a distributed, uh, form of leadership where everybody has their, their job that they do. And it's all sort of run by a central mind in that case, you know, the director, um, but everybody knows where they're where they need to do, and it's it's not up to the central mind, so the director to micromanage that. Um, obviously, uh, so I, I credit that agile management as a strategy thing. Look it up if you if people don't know, who are listening don't know what that is. Go ahead and look it up. It's <laughs> it's really useful. Um, the another thing that so we I used to. The way I implemented that with the students is, uh, is building a trust as a team. Um, and then uh, the goal during that leadership camp, that four-day leadership camp, was always that um, if anything were to go wrong during the season and for whatever reason I wasn't able to be there, that the team, the leadership team, would be self-sufficient and be able to run rehearsals, go to shows, do whatever it is that they needed to do without me. And so they took on this this mantra of banish Meisner, and I like <laughs> I loved it because it's it it allowed them that 
level of of buy-in, that level of ownership that that um, I think some of the programs that you're talking about do have uh, are missing. Well, right, because I'll go, I'll, we'll go, you know, my people that I've worked with and all, we'll go work sitting with the band and like the kids are just, they're completely lost without the instructor. And you'll say right. to them, okay, just do, do eight counts of work that you can make up. And they absolutely can't do it because they have no ownership of their own show or their own performance. They're only doing it for the instructor. So I feel like this concept is so key. Alicia, how do you implement this with your students? So, uh, with my, I actually run the color guard, um, and help with the visual on that end. And uh, I try to teach the kids about owning the show, owning yourself, knowing what you need to do. Um, try to educate them in the sense that, hey, it's, it, this is not me trying to criticize you and, and what to what you need to do, but what is it that you can make yourself better with? Um, hmm. It's... So in other words, they're, they're responsible for their own performance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we're only coaches and trying to give them the work and the, and the choreography to what they need to do for the show. But in the end result, it's, it's their show. It's, they need to take the ownership to it. And, um, you know, I, I try to just educate them in that sense. Um, trying to keep, you know, everyday life skills always happen. Um, like what happens if you get a sale, you know, this is, it's just a show, but you know, at the same time, I want you guys to have fun, <laughs> you know? So it. Yeah. Knowing how to deal with issues yeah. as they come up. Yeah. So Eric Basically. was, you know, all this was this good sort of ownership student empowerment thing was in place. Did, were you aware of that when you walked in or how did, how did, how did you carry on that on? Because clearly that's been happening. So when we started leadership camp, um, I've kind of got this mantra that I like to go, uh, talk to the kids about, and it's called the big three. Um, and the big three are be musical, work hard and be kind. Um, because I think that sort of encapsulates the spirit, um, that I want in my classroom as well as in the ensemble. I mean, if you're not being musical, then what are you doing? It's, it's marching band. Um, and if you're not working hard, then it's probably not very good. And if you're not being kind, then is it really worth it? Um, so that was the, the first thing that I really emphasized with the leadership team. And I think that resonated really well with them because of the preparation that they had from Brendan. Um, and continuing with what Brendan was saying, you know, one of one of my most satisfying moments as a teacher is when I can step away and let things happen and watch them teach each other. Um, I can't tell you how many times this fall at the beginning of rehearsal, um, we always do a stretch um, and then a strength and conditioning block. And then we have about 20 to 30 minutes um, of basics. And two thirds of the time we would do basics in sections. Um, so the brass would be in one corner of the field, the woodwinds would be in another corner, the guard would be, you know, back in the battery and then the pits warming up. And I just get to, I just get to watch and observe, um, that, uh, peer teaching and, um, watch those relationships form as well as 
watch the kids be able to communicate what we established uh, during leadership camp because we really broke down the fundamentals of movement and uh, the fundamentals of playing and watch them share that and really grow not only as uh, musicians but as people as they're doing it because ultimately like they're they're either going to listen to me or they're not um but a lot of times when it comes through from a peer it resonates more um or they find another way of explaining it that i can't or i didn't think of yeah i agree with all of that and um i think that's interesting eric and i haven't really talked about differences or or philosophies in terms of like what we expect out of the students we didn't really ever discuss that um he did ask me we had a we had a, a lunch uh at the end of the school year and we talked a little bit about uh drum stuff i guess because that's my i'm a percussionist by training and he's a tuba player but um i actually also did all of those things um i also had students do fundamentals and sectionals and and so hearing that is actually kind of cool um that that uh we sort of arrived at this um the same place educationally speaking um without you know any prior communication so what about parents um the the band parents did was was there a philosophy in place for helping them through this too they were so mad at me (laughs) (laughs) they were so mad when i said i was leaving um and i I said I was sorry, uh, but I have to do, you know, what I had to, I have to go and do what it is that I feel like is my role. Um, so I think I can't really talk to this at all. I think this is all going to be Eric. <laughs> so one of the best things that happened was at uh, the last booster meeting of the year, um, they had offered me the job. Um, and so I was able to go and meet uh, a lot of band parents, uh, you know, do a little stump talk, um, conversate with people after the meeting. And then they actually took both of us out um, for food and a drink afterwards. And we were able to just all communicate the executive board, um, you know, just about the questions that they had, questions that I had. Um, so from that aspect, the transition was, was incredibly smooth. And even from just a, a personal relationship, logistics, uh, you name it standpoint, uh, the parents were very, very, uh, welcoming and warm and gave me enough space that I felt that I was comfortable with, but asked the right questions and organized things that needed to be organized and, and were just fantastic. Um, because I think, I think they, ex- I think they were expecting, um, I don't know if this is a little presumptuous of me, but I think they were expecting a smooth transition just because I think they trusted Brendan, um, that he trusted me Yeah, and, and they were just very willing and able to offer time and help when it was needed. Yeah, um, I, I would I would agree with that, and that was a good hang. Um, the uh, after after meeting hang. Yes. Um, the 
I all of the all of the horror stories you hear about um, about Paris organizations, I had to work through those as well. Um, I had to, in my first couple of years, very explicitly tell the boosters executive board, look, I set the educational musical, you know, design goals for this ensemble and you support that. Like I had to, I had to explicitly say those words because they were trying to, you know, push and tell me that they needed to do stuff. Um, and I, part of that was because they hadn't had somebody who was doing what I and Eric and Alicia could do in that position. So building that trust with the boosters over the time that I was there, um, and and having those roles and people who were in the leadership roles, especially that understood that philosophy um, that we were going to make the educational goals and they needed to support that. Um, and that and of course, like Eric said, building that trust, I think that was a big part of that as well. Yeah. And, and I'll agree, like in my previous position, that was a major issue um, with a music boosters organization um, that was very hyper controlling, um, very stuck in 1985, um, and just unwilling to accept reality. Um, whereas, uh, the old mill parents, um, I think the, the biggest question that I got the first week was, what would you like to feed the kids for dinner? It wasn't a, so what, what's the show, you know, because we had worked some of that stuff out, but also they were, they just, I feel like they just wanted me to get to know their kids. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so can I actually make a quick comment about the show? Because I think this is actually a cool part of the story. Oh um, yeah. This so is cool. yeah. Um, so when I was looking for a show for the fall, we had done um, a couple different shows. Like last year was, was very dark. Um, we had done a couple different styles of shows. And so I knew that this year looking forward to me already knowing that there was going to be a transition. Um, I was looking for a couple different shows and Eric had already at this point, I, I had, this was before he got hired, but, um, and I think before I told him that I was leaving, um, but, uh, I told, I, you know, I, was like, Hey man, let me pick your brain on some stuff. This is what I'm looking. Do you have any other resources for, for shows that you usually look for? Um, and I gave him sort of what it was that I was thinking was going to be a good successful show for this year. And he actually went and found the show that ended up becoming the show for this year. So it was funny that he picked the show before he was the director. Um, which I think is sort of a, a magical, um, fortuitous moment. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, just because, I mean, I, I knew what you were looking for, Brendan. And like, I, I kind of knew your kids at that point. Um, mm -hmm. I had, I had been to a concert or two, you know, I heard them play last year and the, the book for this looked like it would be a good fit. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that you, you, you took, you really took a year to know that you were going to set this up. Right. Like you knew you were going to leave for your own educational issues and reasons. And you started sort of working your way through the year with the context of I want to make sure yes. I set this up. So that's one of the advantages. And not, a, of course, every program doesn't have that. And the other is you right. had you had a really good sort of um, 
follow-up guy around who you liked and were using already with your band. And that helped make, I see how that helped the transition. And then yeah. the other thing that we've talked about, I really like that you talked about how you've given your kids ownership of the program themselves and clearly set up the parameters for the booster program so that the program, it wasn't all just about you. It was about them and it was their program. Like that's to me, that's the biggest takeaway. Alicia, do you want to yeah. say anyone a thing about this transition we haven't said as far as you you were sort of watching from the side and saw how it went down? Yeah. So, um, just having, I think having my presence there with them, um, having that consistent leadership, um, with throughout the, throughout the transition. Yeah. You were a constant, it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a, a constant, um, for the kids so that, you know, even if they couldn't go to, uh, not that this would ever happen or if they had any questions, but they always had somebody consistent that they could ask questions for. And, you know, if they didn't feel comfortable going to Eric, um, I was always there. So right. I, I don't think that I really, that really took, um, long for the kids to, uh, to warm up to him. So I, I think that whole transition was very successful in that manner. Um, having, having that around. Um, one thing I didn't know if, uh, <laughs> so the, funny thing is that the show that this year we had uh was called new beginnings um and of course we can go back to that the quote eric you your best remembering of it <laughs> what um, was the quote again so we we sort of wrapped the show around this t.s Eliot quote the the show it's a josh hankel show um called beginnings um and so and that's that's a coincidence more than anything, right? Um, um, but it was it was an excellent theme, obviously for for this year. So the uh, the T. S. Eliot quote goes like this: "What we call the beginning is often the end, and to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from." So using that sort of as a launching pad from the design standpoint, um, I. I am not a big fan of narration in shows, but I um, I went against principle here, and and Brennan and I actually had this discussion, and and Alicia and I separately, um, that I wanted to use student narrators um, to read the quote at the beginning and the end of the show, um, just so that they had a voice in this, literally and figuratively, pun fully intended, um, but. So we were able to wrap the show up and put a bow on it at the beginning and the end with this quote, along with some other clever design um, factors. But I think they really enjoyed that the most because it was two different narrators. It was two young ladies who were both seniors um, and they immediately, as soon as I told them what the show design idea was and how we were going to use it, they immediately lit up. Um, the kids were very much like, yeah, we want to do this. Yeah, that's great. Well, so, I mean, this has been a really interesting discussion because I see how this played out. Um, I think having some time to know what was going to happen seems like that was really on your side that not everybody always has that, but 
Um, I especially love, like I said, the concepts of the kids having ownership of their own program. I think it's really have paid off. I'm going to let each of you say any final thoughts about all of this. I'll start with you, Alicia. Any final thoughts about this whole thing before we go? Uh, yeah. So the, the whole time, um, this went down, it, it really has been, um, an easy transition, um, at least for me. And I think just having, um, so Eric and I actually kind of, uh, worked with each other over Broadneck, um, a ways back. So having that, um, relationship at that time that was that was probably helpful in knowing that who was coming in because it's it's always scary to know who is this new director going to be you know and you know what is the show going to be like and what is the the whole school year is going to be how are the kids going to react so the fact that we had some time and um brennan cleverly (laughs) brought him in there to have that um introduction I think that really did help in having the, the kids there yeah. make it a little bit easier for them. Um, yeah, but, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Eric, how about you? Final thoughts about this whole thing you'd like to share? The strangest feeling this whole fall was that I felt like I had been there for years, um, which is especially hard starting in a new school. Um, but I think when I got there, they were ready. Um, they were very much ready to take ownership of themselves. And I, I feel like they were ready for, um, just the, the changes that I was going to throw at them because I, I try and be a, a very thoughtful, um, and, and cognizant person of other people. Um, I really try to make not only the best experience, for everybody, but the best experience for the individual. And they, the kids responded beautifully. It, uh, I probably hadn't had, I, I don't think I've ever taught a band camp that smoothly. Um, just because they expected the unexpected and they were willing to roll with whatever I was going to put in front of them. And I think that that's a testament to Brendan and Alicia's teaching. Um, but it also speaks volumes about those kids. And that's the amazing thing about this activity is that so often we think about, you know, the dollars and cents and uh, the staff members and things like that. But really, the, these are the kids that are performing. And when they want, when they want it, they want it. And you can tell. And there's just an, a spirit and an energy that, that just thrives because of desire and because of that drive to do better. Yeah, that's great. Brendan, final thoughts from you. I mean, first of all, I just want to underline everything that Alicia and Eric said, because those are all very, very true things um, that the kids are the ones I think who really ultimately made this transition work. Um, But the, on, on our end, on Eric and I, especially on our end, um, the biggest thing I think is that we share a lot of those philosophies about, um, about humility. Like I see many people go into, uh, band directorships and it's, it's about them. Uh, it's their program and it's, it's very ego oriented. 
Um, and I think that one of the things that I tried to bring to the table is that I recognize um, I'm not uh, an amazing conductor. I'm a pretty good teacher. Um, I'm not a great, uh, I'm not, I have a master's in percussion performance, but that doesn't make me, I'm not an excellent percussion percussionist. Um, but I, I'm good at getting people to do what I want. <laughs> um, but taking, uh, the ego on our end out of the equation and recognizing that there are things that we can't do, um, and getting the kids to step into those roles and, and giving them ownership that way. Um, and then also this fall, I stayed out of the way. I, I didn't want to be a distraction for the kids at all. I didn't want to be, um, in the way to like distract them for what, from their goals, um, and, and be in Eric's way. Um, so I'm just so proud of the kids and Eric and Alicia, um, and the parents and everything they've accomplished. Well, yeah, it's a testament to everybody involved that, that it's gone so well and that everybody was like really mature about it and, and like did their part and worked hard at it. So, I mean, it's, it congrats to all three of you and to the students and the parents and all the other instructors. Like it's, it was obviously it's a group effort, but I think this is really interesting. I, I think some key, really key things came out in this discussion. I think were really helpful. Um, so Brendan, Eric, Alicia, you guys were wonderful. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you. Get access to every one of the over 750 podcasts we've released at the Marching Roundtable with the new membership option at marchingartseducation.com. You can sign up, you and your entire staff, and get complete access to all the live webinars, videos, podcast archives, and discounts on coursework. Become a member of Marching Arts Education and get exclusive benefits and complete access. Perfect, easy, professional development for you and your staff. Trusted content in one location. Many directors are using school funds for these valuable resources. We give you access to the top marching arts professionals, allowing you to interact and ask questions during live webinars. Only Marching Arts Education allows you to speak directly and get advice for your own situation from the experts. Go to marchingartseducation.com and click on Membership to find out more and sign up. Follow the Marching Roundtable on social media to keep up with upcoming podcast releases and guests and for constant coverage of all topics in the marching arts. This includes the new Marching Roundtable Facebook group. And subscribe to our newsletter at marchingroundtable.com so you'll know about upcoming podcast releases and live webinars. Thanks again to the sponsor of this podcast, Envision 3D Drill Design Software, found at box5software.com. This is your host, Tim Hinton. I've been writing marching band arrangements and helping to create and design entertaining, educational, and competitively successful shows for over 25 years. See all the services I can offer to help you and your group at timhinton.com. If you're a business that works with band directors, marching bands, color guards, or drum lines, you should sponsor podcasts at the Marching Roundtable. Our listeners are the exact audience you're trying to reach. And with thousands of podcast downloads each month, it's a great way to directly reach your target audience. For more information, click on the Sponsorship Opportunities link at marchingroundtable.com or email Tim at tim at marchingroundtable.com. You can grow your business and help support what we're doing here on the podcast.